Welcome back to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett, joining the show for the first time this season and joining me as a special co-host for his second show of the season, Elon Dubrovsky. Elon, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. Last time I talked to you, we were drafting for the Keeping Carlson Alta Patron Fantasy League Tier 1, and I think you and I did uh, pretty, pretty well. And actually, things are looking, unfortunately, because of some unfortunate news, my team's even looking a little bit better, because my uh, goalie's like Darcy Kemper, who now all of a sudden Francois is injured, so all of a sudden my Kemper pick looks even better. Uh, I streamed in Jake Allen, which uh, there's some... Anyways, we'll get to all of it, but I'm just saying, like, I, I was already happy on that show, and now I'm even happier, and I'm also just happy to talk to you and do short and I, I can't even be, really be rambling like this. I have to keep reminding myself, this is short shifts. This is a quick show. So I got to stop talking. We got to get into it. Well, and Elon, I am going to, I'm calling an audible like a minute into the show because I didn't include Franco's. I didn't think we were going to get into it. And it, as a story, it, it didn't jump to me the way that some of the other ones here. But I, I do want to say, as you bring it up, I would be a little bit worried as a Kemper owner here. Obviously, volume's amazing. And if he can stay healthy, that rocks. But we've seen Kemper struggle to stay healthy in the past. Does it not concern you that this is Darcy Kemper who might have to start like, you know, 80% of the games? That would worry me a little bit. <laughs> Look, Ben, like, what am I going to do? I can't control the things that are out of my control. Right now, I've got a volume starter in Colorado. I hope he doesn't get hurt. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, take your vitamins, Darcy Kemper. Like, do your stretching. Like, right. hopefully they'll figure out how to keep him healthy. Like, they need him, right? If they don't have him, they're going to be back like last year with Jonas Johansson. And maybe they get Devin Dubnik to come back. Like, that would be a disaster, Ooh. right? So, hopefully. Well, I mean, Dallas does have like a million goals available. So I guess if Camper got injured and Francois was still out, maybe then Colorado would reach out to Dallas. But anyway, right now I'm happy, and, but don't jinx it, please. Okay. And <laughs> you know what? Shout, uh, just uh, hollering out to Dave Benton here. He is the one who's always jinxing players. So hopefully Dave leaves you alone on this one too. Okay. But like you said, Elon, this is short shifts. We don't have time to get onto any long shifts. We got to jump into another short shift. We're starting in Montreal, the biggest story in hockey, probably for I would assume that this is going to be the biggest story for a little while now. Carey Price is now out for at least a month to start the season after the Habs put him on the, or I guess he entered the league's voluntary assistance program. Uh, we don't have any specifics, and I'm definitely not going to be speculating as to why he joined. Um, but obviously, you know, from the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts family, we're sending out our, our love to Carey Price, and hopefully he... He uh, deals with what he's got going on, and he he feels better soon. But this means that he'll be back at the earliest in early November. I would be shocked if he's back that soon, just based on the type of discussion that's been going on around this uh, situation, which means that Jake Allen should get a run to start the year. I think people really remember Allen for having a great year last season because he started out so hot. But I remember him because over his last 19 starts, he was really, really mediocre. I guess really bad even. He put a, he was a sub-900 goalie, finished the season with just a 907 save percentage. To me, and I was somebody who was a, a hater of the, the Jake Allen trade when it happened in the offseason. And uh, now that 927 save percentage in 2020 is beginning to look like the outlier, I would say. So given this news where price is out for quite a while, do you think Allen is a must-add in most formats now? 
Yeah, so a lot of things there. First of all, like Jake Allen, like struggling at the end of last season. So fine, he joins the club with Carter Hart and Mackenzie Blackwood. Like last season was weird. A lot of goals were running to the ground because of big, uh, dense schedules. The COVID, like I, I'm throwing out most of the COVID season anyway. So I'm not too worried about Allen like fizzling out at the end of last season. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not like a super Jake Allen booster just in general. I remember being against you when you were against that trade. Like I thought it was a good trade for the Habs. I remember when we talked to Arpon Basu, he gave the analogy of like, if you have a really fancy car, then you want to definitely spend money on upkeep to keep it in good shape. And so it was like, if you have like a really expensive goalie and good goalie and carry price, you need to have a good backup so you don't run your carry price starter into the ground. And that was the plan with Jake Allen. But now it turns out that another benefit of having Jake Allen is not only to give carry price rest, but to have a starting goalie in case carry price is just injured or needs to go to the assistance program. And don't forget, uh, carry price was already injured. Like I added him right after the couple draft because, like I said, I only had Darcy Kemper and I added Allen just because I was thinking that price already had this other injury so who even knows when price is going to be back right like he's going to go into the assistance program he might be back like you said in a month could be longer so that's just a long winding road for me to say yeah go add jake allen like at the same time i'm not saying he's going to be amazing right like the haves like they're not terrible obviously they made it to the cup finals last year but they're not looking like so amazing they're weak at sea they only really have two centers in suzuki and dvorak uh, their d isn't that great they lose shea weber uh so I don't know. And Jake Allen himself hasn't been a successful volume starter since like 2016, 17 or whatever. In I would St. say Louis. ever really. He's he like, never really carried on the, the volume as a volume starter. Anytime yeah. he turned into the starter, it kind of got a little shaky. Well, he had one good year and when he took over for Brian Elliott and that's how, what gave him the big contract that St. Louis ended up kind of regretting kind of like a Martin Jones situation. Uh, so yeah, but also it's possible by the way that he won't be a volume starter in Montreal, right? Like they have Caden Primo who could come up and like if Montreal's smart, I think you try to go 50, 50 there like i don't know i mean obviously it depends how good primo is they signed sam montembeau they're hoping he can so like in a perfect scenario they have a second goalie to you know obviously Allen will be the starter with price out and but you hope that they don't have to play him like every single game because the other goalie is a guaranteed loss so we'll have to see what happens anyways i added him i think that in most leagues unless it's super shallow you probably want to add him like you know we got a question on discord today from artificial idea asking if they should drop nadelkovich for Allen. i said yeah do it because ned is like a tandem guy anyways like don't drop like a cal peterson for jake Allen, like someone who i'm expecting to be a decent enough starter for the whole season but uh yeah if it's a situation where there's no starters in free agency at all then yeah i definitely grab alan i lots to say here i mean you're talking about throwing out the end of last season what about all the seasons before he was that's 925 goalie right like i think that there are reasonable i think it's reasonable to suggest that he's not like a de facto starter in the league uh like a starting level goalie off top I mean, sure, but he's okay. going to have to be okay. on Montreal for now, and we'll hope that sure. he can at least okay. you know, tread water. Uh, it sounds like we're on the same page, I guess, about Allen. My concern in Montreal is that I think Sam Montembeau is terrible. Uh, he was awful in Florida. Any any game they gave to him, you wanted to stack uh, whoever their opponents were. Um, if Caden Primo can be good, I, I'd be very interested to see that for sure. Um, I guess uh, when it comes down to it, the I, I agree with you, like... At the start of the year, I think Jake Allen started really hot last year. I don't really see why he couldn't start hot this year. If his issue is workload, then that's more of a future Elon issue. If I'm if I'm talking to your team in the cupful, uh, I would definitely be planning to run him until I had a reason not to. So yeah, I think we're on the same page here. I do want to hop right over to Columbus then, where the hype is starting to ratchet up after Columbus scored three power play goals in exhibition action against Detroit. Last night or Tuesday, anyway, including a highlight reel, end-to-end goal from Patrick Laine. Last year, Laine put up a 43-point pace, 
by far the worst of his career. I think he was basically, I mean, he wasn't usable in fantasy formats last year. Definitely lost a lot. I think there would be a lot of line A owners from last year who would consider him the reason they lost their league. Now he's going outside the top 100 in Yahoo drafts. How confident are you, Elon, that line A can bounce back this season? Yeah, so of course, bounce back could mean a lot of things. Like, I don't know if he's bouncing back to being like a 75 point, like 45 goal guy, but I think he definitely can improve from last year. Like, I remember my talk with Allison Lucan over the summer about the Blue Jackets. She said that they specifically saw a hole where they didn't have a playmaker who was good at dishing the puck and creating offense and giving the puck to Line to like use his awesome shot. They specifically traded Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek for this purpose. And it seems, obviously, it's like three preseason games, but it seems like uh, Line and Voracek have some chemistry together of course those last couple of games where he's picked up four points against Detroit and Buffalo so I'm not going to like read too much into just this preseason success but it's nice to see that the power play is doing well that's always been a problem in Columbus Uh, they're trying something new also Boone Jenner as a net front guy Uh, so I don't know like I think definitely the upside is there I definitely think that line is going to probably do better than last year I think he's going to make the people who drafted him outside the top 100 happy and uh, yeah I think it's just a matter of what you're expecting but I could definitely see him being like a 30 goal like 65-ish point guy. Uh, But I'll obviously need a little bit more data to be super confident, but it seems like things are trending in the right direction, at least. I'm very happy that he and Voracek have been together all preseason. Seems like they're locked in. We we have no idea who the center will be. There's like five options of who this center could be. Like it could be uh, Jenner, we've seen with them. Uh, They tried Texier in the last game. Roslovic is there. Cole Sillinger has been getting a shot. And I just saw that Max Domi is like healthy, apparently, way ahead of schedule. So he might be centering that line. So, you know, on one hand, that's kind of weird that we don't know. But on the other hand, they've got five tries to get something that works to, uh, for someone to play with line a and voracek so yeah I'm, I'm pretty optimistic i'd have to say that's interesting i do really appreciate you pointing out the exhibition nature of that game because seeing the the twitter love for that line a goal last night was i mean when you watch the goal you're like oh wow that's a i mean he doesn't usually score those end-to-end goals but you watch the goal, he comes in across the blue line against three defenders, all split up. Deeks won very, very nicely, but it's really like a one-on-one goal more than it is a one-on-four goal. So I, I definitely have my... And we're also talking about a preseason game against the Detroit Red Wings. So I definitely am tempering my expectations in terms of whether or not Columbus is going to have like a top half of the league power play. But if they had even like a 15 to 20 power play that would be a huge boost to those guys who you mentioned line and voracek i've actually been drafting voracek anywhere i can get him uh, which is everywhere because nobody seems to want him and to me this is a guy who's been putting up 40 45 50 assist seasons most of his career he's all of a sudden on a line and he's been stapled to that line as you said elon he's been playing with line a all preseason He's stapled to Patrick Laine's wing. I think that Jake Voracek is a guy who, if you're getting him in the last like three rounds of your draft, top line, top power play on a bad team, that is a recipe for a sleeper. So I'm really into Voracek this year. I am concerned about the center. I think that we'll see a lot of bouncing around, as you suggested. Um, my guess would be we don't see Max Domi as the top line center, strictly because that line will be caved in at five on five all three of them they're just that is not their strong point so i would like to see a roslovic or a texier somebody who can play a little bit of defense between them but for now i guess the other guy on that power play i'm wondering about is uh is zach warensky do you think that his ceiling is any higher now than you did before draft season 
Yeah, definitely. Like, I think Wierenski is someone who a lot of people assume is like, yeah, he's on this Columbus team that's not looking that good. But don't forget, like, now he doesn't have to compete with Seth Jones for that top power play, so he's going to be there. Plus, we're starting to see little glimmers of hope that maybe they've turned it around and they actually can have a good power play. I read an article on The Athletic about how Boone Jenner, as the net front guy, is, like, really unlocking something for them. And, like, obviously we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But, yeah, Wierenski paced for 47 points last year. Like, he only played 35 games, but he was over a half point per game in those games. And in that, like, those 35 games, only five power play points. So, like you said, he doesn't have, they don't have to have the best power play. Even for him to just be on an average power play and get to, like, 15, 20 power play points, you know, which you'd usually expect from a mediocre team's top power play defenseman. If he can do that, all of a sudden, we might be looking at, like, a 55, like, 60-point defenseman. Like, I think that Zach Wierenski could really explode this year. Uh, you know, obviously, there's potential downside. Like, we'll have to see if Columbus is able to keep this up and if they're able to, you know, score even strength. But Wierenski's been successful on this team over these past couple of years, even though they haven't scored a lot of goals. Now, if he could add some more power play points, I think that there's a much higher ceiling than a lot of people are expecting. I definitely think that uh, having Seth Jones leave is a boon, not Jenner, for Wierenski. Um, I do think when it comes to line A, the one thing that really freaks me out is the shots on goal total when he moved over to Columbus, like the just cratered his shots per game. So I do want to start seeing him become a volume shooter before I get excited about him because, you know, in a in a deeper league, a 30 goal, 60 point sh- uh, scorer is helpful. But in a shallow league, that's kind of... I mean, we're talking about Mike Hoffman uh, in his prime, right? Like a guy who it's like, you want to have him because he's shooting a lot. But if he's not shooting a lot, then kind of you're just counting on a goal or an assist. And that's all he's going to give you, which in points leagues is obviously nice. But in in uh, in categories leagues, there might be some issues. I am curious about this is kind of a, a, a short shift paradox question that me and Lewis get into a lot. Power play one versus line one. Do you prefer Boone Jenner, who's currently in the middle six on power play one, or Alexandra Texier, who's been practicing on line one, but playing on power play two in Columbus? Okay, I'll answer that in just a sec. First of all, this whole shots on goal thing, I think at once again, like, yeah, mm. like we said, like, Line A sucked last year. He didn't have a person who could dish him the puck, feed him the puck for him to take those good shots. I think that Voracek there, the whole idea is that he'll be able to get those shots off. So I definitely expect him to improve from that 1.8 shots per game. Like, I don't think that it's just like he forgot how to shoot. I think he didn't have Mark Shifley or whoever, Brian Little, whoever it used to be, to pass him the puck to take those shots. Uh, that's my opinion there. Regarding uh, Texier versus Boone Jenner, give me Boone Jenner, especially in a multi category league first of all Texier is definitely not guaranteed to be centering that top line like I think I saw a quote from Brad Larson after the game yesterday saying he thought Texier was like fine which is really like an insult that's like something my mom would say if she doesn't like the food uh so <laughs> now all of a sudden like Boone Jenner uh centered that line in another game so he might even get the top line and the top power play but also in your multi-category league Jenner's good for your hits he's better for shots than Texier so definitely give me Jenner over Texier all day every day I will be honest with you, Elon, a little behind the curtains over here. I was torn between Boone Jenner and Nick Schmaltz the other day when I uh, w- when I cleared up some space on my Cupful roster, throwing a few players on the IR. I wound up going with Nick Schmaltz because uh, I felt more com- confident that he would get the top line, top power play deployment. And then that afternoon, Boone Jenner was taken off line one. But I agree with you. I mean, especially in categories leagues, Boone Jenner scored 30 goals like, what, three or four years ago? I don't think he's going back to those heights. But we've seen what it takes for him to be a useful fantasy asset. And I definitely think he can get there again. We're going to hop over to Edmonton next, where an injury to Kyler Yamamoto has switched up the Oilers' lines, and all of a sudden, we are seeing an overloaded top line in Edmonton of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, 
and Jesse Puglia-Yarvi. Puglia-Yarvi is only 38% rostered and going off the board at 164 in Yahoo drafts, meaning you can basically have him for free. Do you think that Jesse Puglia-Yarvi should be owned in all leagues as long as this deployment holds? I mean, these these are tough questions, right? Like we always have to remind ourselves it's preseason. Like these lines. Answer might the get question, sh- Elon. <laughs> the lines might get shaken up like five times before the first game next week, right? So you don't want to be too reactionary. That said, yeah, get Pooley Like, why not? Like, obviously, it depends how deep your league is. But if he's going to be playing on the top line with McDavid and Dryside, like everyone thought, oh, they're getting Hyman. This is perfect. You know, like McDavid finally has that other winger to play with Pooley Like, what if Hyman ends up unlocking the oil? Like, maybe he's like a great signing for Edmonton because they unlock the ability for them to finally play McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same line and still have a decent second line with RNH and Hyman, right? So we don't know exactly how this is going to shake out. Well, I, I'll bet you that two weeks into the season, we're going to see like a whole like five different combinations while they try to figure out what's the best way to do this. But definitely, if there's a possibility that Pugliar... Well, Pugliar was already going to be on the line with McDavid, so already he was being drafted too low. Last year, he struggled a little bit, but maybe it took a little time. Apparently, like I heard in an interview, that it's, it's tough to play with McDavid, right? He's so fast. He expects you to be in a certain place. Maybe you have to kind of learn to be successful in that spot. And uh, I think that Pugliar probably gotten a little better. He used to be, by the way, a high-pedigree guy. So all that said, yeah, go for uh, Pugliar if you can fit him in. And worst-case scenario, you can drop him. But for now, he's playing with probably the two best players in the league in McDavid and Dreisaitl. And so I I actually agree with you on all of that. I drafted Zach Hyman in the in the cupful uh, auction, and I, I'm definitely not loving what's happening. But I also think that you're right to say that this is kind of what we expected from Pouli RV anyway, before the preseason started. We expected him to be with McDavid. McDavid put up a ridiculous point pace last year, like unprecedented in this in this era. I don't know how much better the offense can really get on that top line, even with the second best player in the league on there. Like, can can McDavid put up 200 points? Like, I, I am skeptical of, not that I'm ever skeptical of McDavid, but at that point, you start to feel a little bit uh, ridiculous. But I guess my question for you about Puglia-Yarvi then is, what what do you think his ceiling is given this current deployment? I mean, I guess if he's not on the top power play, then obviously that caps it a little bit, but I don't see why he couldn't get like 60 points if things break right. So I think that's, assume, I don't know, 65 if we're talking ceiling. I could see 65 yeah, okay. if, if all things break right. Yeah. By the way, Ben, I noticed that this is the second time in a row on the show where you've started your response to my response with, I'm actually kind of in agreement with you as if you're like surprised. Like, I think you and I are smart guys. You're, of course, you're going to be in agreement with me. We, we both have the same smart opinions about what people should be doing. And that's go grab Puliarvi. And if you have Zach Hyman, yeah, like, you know what? I pro- he probably was a little bit overhyped. Like, we had dumb decision on the show, and he, like, projected him for 66 points in his spreadsheet, which felt a little rich, but, like, you know, Dom had a good reason. He was like, if he's going to be playing with McDavid at even strength and on the power play, that's, like, such a great situation for him. We have to remind ourselves, this is the Oilers. Like, nothing's guaranteed, and probably things are going to switch around throughout the season, like, including that power play spot. So I'd probably draft Hyman Moore as, like, a 55, 60-point guy. I think he was going a bit rich for some people. You know what? This is going to shock you, Elon, but I don't agree with you on no! this one. Uh, Lock it in. It, 66 points for Zach Hyman. Just because well, you, you drafted him, you're trying to convince yourself. I mean, part of it is that he's not losing his top power play deployment, as far as we know. And I think that that is a lot of what you and Dom talked about, was about how Hyman has never put up power play points before. And that's really where a lot of his offensive upside comes from. But the other thing is, like, he was never guaranteed to be with Connor all season. But I also don't see why he isn't going to just end up with Connor or Dreisaitl at some point. Um, You know, 
in thinking a lot about this Puglia-Yarvi Hyman line, as I have been since we found out that they got switched off the same line, they do both have that like get in the corner, bang around the four checking strength. So it does make sense to me that you wouldn't that it would be a bit redundant to have them on the same line, but. I would expect, like you say, that we do see it get mixed around quite often. And I do think that Hyman, I mean, he was so good last year, even when he wasn't playing with Matthews and and Marner, he was still putting up points. I, I'm just not that worried about him putting up a 60-point pace on a team with an offense as good as Edmonton. <laughs> sure. I mean, I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking when you're saying that you think that he's like for sure going to be on that top power play the whole season long. I think that that sure. could definitely change. So we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, we'll see how people click together. Maybe he's a good fit on that power play. Maybe Pugliarvi end up ends up taking that job. When we come back, Elon is going to drop the hottest take of the preseason, and we're going to get into a couple of rookie players that we're looking at. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Elon, you got a hot take for us. I teased it before we went to break. I'm very curious. I'm dying to know. The people are dying to know. Elon, what is your hottest take of the preseason? (laughs) I don't even know if this is a hot take at this point. <laughs> oh, no, I but, think it is. Okay, I think that Rasmus Dahlin is going to hit free agency in the Cacupful in a lot of Cacupful divisions within a month or two into the season. And so obviously this is like a hot take, and I'm not saying it's guaranteed to happen, but I'm seeing a lot of red flags for Rasmus Dahlin. Like, first of all, first of all, he already wasn't worth rostering last year for the whole season. He only had 34, a 34 point pace on the 2020 21 season. Buffalo was bad. Uh, so, you know, maybe you could excuse it away. COVID season, all of that. Now we're going into this season. Buffalo looks even worse. Like Reinhardt is gone. We're looking at top line Casey Middlestad as the center. Like Jeff Skinner is like a lock for line one. You're, you always got to be nervous when you hear that. Plus, I've been seeing news on Roto World from like buffalonews.com articles. A uh, quote from coach Don Granado saying, Obviously, there's a lot in this game we need to fix, specifically defensive zone exits where we really struggled. So apparently, like, Dahlin's been having a rough preseason, which is fair. Like, I don't know if he has, like, he's a very talented player. Obviously, he was drafted first overall, but I don't think he was trained to handle a situation where the team is being caved in. Like, I expect the Sabres to be all season long. I think this is going to be a really tough sledding for still a very young player, only 21 years old. So uh, I don't know. I think that this season may be a lot like last season. And while last season, people were obviously still holding out hope because it had been so recently that Darlene had been so good. I wonder if this year is where people finally start uh, not having as long of a leash. And if he struggles out of the gate this time, maybe he's starting to hit free agency before you know it. I completely agree. Buffalo looks like a disaster. Um, I'm I'm worried about Darlene in like a development sense, right? Like at this point, we're coming into his fourth season in the league and he's not even showing hints of being the guy who he thought he looked like he could be as a rookie, that to me screams like that's at the point of a development curve where I start to think, oh, this team might have effed him up. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, it would be nice if he could have good players where if you make a breakout, you know, things could happen. Like, it just seems like right now this is going to be a really scary year for the Savers. Like, they just uh, waved Aaron Dell and they sent Uko Pekalukin into the minors, which means their goalie tandem is like Tokarski and Craig Anderson. 
Like, come on. Like, I've talked about how with the Sabres, I wonder if maybe some of their players struggled a bit just because you have to play, like the defensemen, I mean, like Burns and Carlson, maybe you have to like play a little bit more cautiously when you know your goalie is not someone you could rely on to stop the puck. I think there's something mental going on there. Don't forget, these are still people playing a game. It's not all spreadsheets and it's humans. And I think that with the goaltending being as bad as it's likely going to be, with the forwards being as bad, like everyone looks bad. Like Darlene is a great player, but I don't think he can do this all by himself. And if anything, I think he may just have to hunker down and try to play well defensively so yeah anyways i would definitely not be excited about him in a one-year league right now or or a two-year league i should say can i give you my hot take from buffalo let's hear it this is going to uh, make your podcast host lose his mind i think jeff skinner is going to be the most valuable fantasy player in buffalo this season I mean, it's possible that that could be true, and still he has no fantasy value this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, we talked earlier about how Columbus, it's like, oh, you can always get a top-line, top-power play guy on a terrible team. And uh, that's another guy who it kind of just feels like he's been treading water for so long that you you got to worry a little bit that, that, well, I mean, I think a lot of people are just assuming that the, the 40 goals are long in the past for Jeff Skinner, but he's the guy of anyone on that team. If I had to bet it all, if I had to go all in on somebody who I thought could be fantasy relevant, I think it is Jeff Skinner, just because the shot totals are there. Otherwise, I mean, Victor Olofsson, you talked about this the other day. He's really just a power play specialist. Casey Middlestad doesn't do anything except for pass the puck. Um, yeah, it's a... It's a bad team. Let's let's go to our final segment, though, Elon. Let's not dig into the Sabres any more than we have to. And I want to throw a couple names at you and see where the, these names land on your hype meter, your preseason hype meter. This is a segment about rookies and they're the, the, the rookies that are really making a name for themselves in the preseason. So I want to know how excited you are about these rookies on a scale of 1 to 10, all of these players, by the way, Elon, are sub 10% rostered in Yahoo, which means that in almost any league, except for the couple tier one, you can probably find them on the waiver wire. We're going to start in Detroit. I think a guy who came out of nowhere, I would say the other names on our list, they're guys that I think we, would, we wouldn't be shocked to know we're talking about already. But Lucas Raymond has kind of come out of nowhere for me. Obviously, fourth overall pick very recently. Um, prospect guys have been singing his praises. I don't think that it's a shock that he's good. I just think it's a shock that he's this good or has been this good in preseason this soon. Six points in four preseason games, stapled to Dylan Larkin on line one and power play one. Elon, how excited are you about Lucas Raymond on a scale of one to 10? Where are you at on the hype meter? <laughs> Okay, well, I guess I'm going to pull a Brian here, which I always get annoyed at, but now I understand where he's coming from. Like, I'm not just going to answer the question. I got to just, just talk a little bit <laughs> first. I can't go right to the one to 10. So first of all, like these rankings, like we have to be like clear here. Like when we're talking about hype meter for like a rookie going into their first season, that's not like a first overall pick or something. Like I'm talking about someone who I'm excited to grab out of free agency to give a shot at on my team that I'll be quick to drop if it doesn't work out. And I think that's mm -hmm. how you could be really successful in fantasy is that, you know, you do your draft, you get your like reliable players, you get your JVRs and whoever in the later rounds, you know, we're going to be solid. But then you got to leave some space for some swings that just, if just one of them turns out to be like uh, Jason Robertson, all of a sudden you're laughing. You just got like a superstar player, like super late in your draft or in free agency. And I think that Lucas Raymond is someone who, you know, probably, 
Curry isn't going to be the next Jason Robertson, but there's a chance. Like, I th- if he's going to be on the top line with Dylan Larkin, like, clearly he's benefiting from Verona being out and he's getting this shot. If, if he's looked good in preseason, he has a good pedigree. So if he can be the new, you know, Mantha, who's had good seasons in that spot in the past, sure. I think that my hype would be decently high. Like, I think he's the kind of guy, and I think all these guys we're going to talk about are going to be guys, if he's going to be getting top deployment in his rookie season, we don't yet know what his ceiling is. I think that you tr- probably want to try to make some space for him on your roster. Just the art of it is knowing when to cut bait, right? Like, obviously, you don't want to hold too long. At the same time, you don't want to cut after, like, one game. Like, I remember, actually, in Johnny Gaudreau's first year, I drafted him or I added him out of free agents. Like, I had him on my team, and I think he had, like, a week, like, seven games or six games to start the year. He ended up getting benched. Then after that, he exploded. Ended up having, like, this amazing rookie season. And it, I think it was even a keeper league. So, I don't know. Like, I blew it, right? Like, I lost out on Gaudreau and all of that production. So, you know, give him a game or to but at the same time be ready to cut lucas raymond if it doesn't work out but I'm, I'm very interested in what i've seen so far and he should definitely be on people's radars i agree and i definitely agree with what you said at the start which is like we're we're kind of talking about deeper leagues here right like i'm not i'm not dropping a top line top power play guy on a good team that i got at a crazy discount in like the 14th round of my 10 team league here but in like a couple team where I, you know, have a f- couple of streamer spots and it's looking like, oh, I, I, I just am looking for an upside swing. I'm really, really intrigued by Lucas Raymond at this point, just because of the opportunity here. I mean, you mentioned Anthony Mantha, and I, I don't know about that comparison just because Mantha's value came so much from peripherals and he was able to get shifted off of that top line in Detroit and still be valuable in some formats. Obviously, last year, no one was valuable, but um, in the past. And I think Raymond is a guy who it just seems like Detroit doesn't really have an option except to put him on the top line. Like if you put him on the third or fourth line, he's just going to be, you know, at best treading water, not to use the same expression twice here. But I, I think that he's got a really, really interesting opportunity with Jakob Verana out. And I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. So I'm going to I'm going to jump you in line here on the hype meter, Elon, and I'm going to put Raymond at eight out of ten. I'm going to put nine out of ten. How about You're that? You're lying. You're lying. I don't know, I don't, whatever. I'm, like, really in my brain, like, 3 out of 10, but, like, for the purposes of this game, let's say 8 out of 10. Like, again, it's, like, this is a different hype meter than a Jesse Pugliarvi hype meter who's, right. like, going to yeah, be on the top line with McDade. This right. is a guy you're taking a shot on. None of these guys that we're talking about, I'm, like, going to say guaranteed they're going to be on your team all season long, but I think if you grab all three of these players we're going to talk about, there's a decent chance that one of them might hit, and I just don't know which one it'll be, but Lucas Raymond could definitely be it. And it's 9 out of 10. You heard it here first, folks. 9 <laughs> out of 10 for Elon that it will be Lucas Raymond. Yeah, the um, next guy's going to be 11 out of 10. Let's I'm go. just going to say this one time before I before we hop off this player. I think it's pronounced Raymond uh, <laughs> in German, but I have no idea. And I haven't heard anyone say that since his draft year. Uh, but anyway, I'm just going to I'm going to plant my flag on the Lucas Raymond. I don't know how to finish the sentence. Let's go to Nashville, Elon. Uh, subject of my new hat that I'm wearing for this record, Philip Tomasino has two goals in his first three preseason games on Thursday, he was not practicing in the top six anymore, but that's where he's been for most of the preseason, and he's seeing power play time. How excited are you feeling about the Philip Tomasino share that you have in our Keeper League? Yeah, I mean, I just added him out of free agency. He's another guy, right? First of all, he's a prospect that Victor Nuno came on keeping Carlson around a month ago now when we were talking Calder candidates, and he was like saying that Tomasino is a sleeper that not many people are thinking about, you know, a really strong season last year in the AHL. Now we'll see what he can do in the NHL. Yeah, uh, checking out game day line tweets.com, my uh, go to source 
for any line combinations because unlike some other sites where you just see lines, you don't even know if they're still up to date or what the source is. You go to gamedaylinetweets.com, you see the tweets, you see where the lines come from. And I'm seeing Adam Vingen uh, tweeted today saying that uh, Nashville was practicing with Tomasino on a line with Glass and Cousins on the third line. The second line, though, was like Granlin with Tolvanen and Luke Kunin. That doesn't seem like like Tolvanen and Kunin are like locked in top six. I think there's definitely opportunity for Tomasino. We'll see what happens on the power play. So I'm pretty into him as someone who could maybe surprise us, uh, maybe a little bit less than Lucas Raymond, just because he's not like, you know, a top liner and guaranteed top power play guy. But one thing that Tomasino has going in his favor is you could make a really sweet fantasy team name out of his name. Call your team uh, Tomasino Evil. And then you could use that emoji of the monkey, the Sino Evil monkey with the hands over his eyes by the way i love that emoji that's one of my favorite at work whenever i want to ask someone for a favor i'm like hey can you just check this thing for me quickly and then with the sino evil monkey like how can they say no so anyway top tier emoji for sure yeah i agree yeah i like that one and grimacing i use those for both the huge yes elon i'm on sunglasses (laughs) for me is in that tier but otherwise yeah (laughs) totally okay brian's a big like tongue out smile which always is kind of like Really? Okay. I got a tongue out smile, but you know, to each their own. And that's what makes Brian special. So Tomasino, I guess I gave Raymond a uh, eight out, nine out of 10. So I'll give Tomasino a six out of 10, but definitely someone that if you're in a deeper league, I would grab him even in a one year league. And I definitely liked the shot that I took on him in our keeper league. It's only a keep eight. So it's not like the kind of thing where I like, I'm going to hold him just cause it's a keeper league, even if he's not good, like he's going to have to produce on my roster, but you know, out of free agency, it's more fun to take a shot on him than like, uh, you know, a Boone Jenner, who I think I had in that spot before, who like, I kind of like the chance that he'll have on the top power play. But at the same time, he's obviously not going to be a keeper. And it's a deep league where forwards are heavier rated than defensemen. So I would say like, even though our rosters aren't bigger than the Cupful, uh, there are fewer forward options because they are better than defensemen. I agree. I guess if I were to sort of relate them, Raymond and Tomasino, I would say like, In a best case scenario, I could see Lucas Raymond putting up like 55, 60 points this season. I could see Tomasino like if like wildest expectations being met 40, 45 points. Um, He's he's Ellie Tolvanen to me in a best case scenario this season. I don't think they're similar players, but I I just mean like in in terms of his production as a rookie, um, I, I could see him. It's just so tough to be valuable in Nashville forwards so yeah i mean but you would have said that last year about jason robertson right you would have said ceiling of like 35 points if we were doing this going into the season so i feel like with these rookies you always have to leave that room like i don't think you could really talk ceiling like that for a rookie as much as some other players like we've I'm never my seen expectation anything. of his ceiling yeah. is i'm not saying his actual like this is gospel truth like i know what will happen and mm-hmm. yeah obviously i'm baking some uncertainty into that i'm saying for me Lucas Raymond, I could see him fees- like if everything breaks right, putting up fifty five sixty. I just can't see Tomasino doing that um, because of the team he's on. And yes, you're right. Like Jason Robertson, way outplayed my expectations last year, but he was also on a team that was outperforming all of my expectations. Yeah, I. I wouldn't bet on Nashville doing that. But yes, of course, it could happen. <laughs> and at Detroit, you're aware that Raymond's on Detroit, right? Yes, but when, I when also you're saying like aware, because of the team he's on. I'm also aware, yeah, I should say his deployment, right? Because he's he looks to be playing in all of the high leverage offensive opportunities, whereas Philip Tomasino seems like a guy who's going to be stuck in that like quicksand Nashville uh, middle six where just like nobody produ- it's like the Bermuda Triangle of fantasy yeah. events, right? <laughs> Um, One more player to get to. We are getting into medium shifts territory here. We'll hop over to the 
I guess San Jose, not the Bay, San Jose, William Eklund, five assists in four games, including two on the power play. All signs to this point show that he is likely to make the team, and he's been seeing top six and top power play deployment at times. I do know he was practicing on power play two recently, but I think overall it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing good deployment for William Eklund, which is all that really matters. I think the one thing I want to add before I throw this one to you, Elon, is that I don't think people really understand how good William Eklund is, like the especially casual folks, because he came out in this draft where everybody was expecting it to be a mad draft. It, it, it was an underhyped draft, and I don't mean that in like terms of how much value was – I don't mean that it was underrated, but I just mean it was very, very underwhelming to the, the average fan. And then he went seventh overall. So I really don't think like most people have William Eklund even on their radar. But if you've been listening to fantasy podcasts all summer, you've been hearing our pal Victor Nuno, Cam Robinson. Everybody has been talking about how William Eklund is the best fantasy option in this past 2021 draft. So I am definitely interested in William Eklund and how he does this season. Elon, what about yourself? Yeah, definitely. If he can make the team, I think there's definitely a lot of space for him to succeed. You even talked about these power plays. Uh, again, at GameDayLineTweets.com, I'm looking at the Sharks and the power plays were running out today. It didn't even seem like a PP1 and a PP2. Like, yeah, listen to agreed. these units. It was like Burns, uh, Couture, Meyer, and then Jonathan Dolan and Nick Benino. That was power play one. And the power play two had Eric Carlson, Hurdle, LeBanc, Eklund, and a uh, guy Peterson. So I really feel like this is, first of all, doesn't look like power plays that are going to stick. And second of all, these seem like 50-50s. So I think Eklund's going to get his power play time. That's all I mean to say. And if he's going to be playing, you know, on a line with Hurdle, like definitely good things can happen. I know that Barabanov is injured right now. So we'll see. He's going to probably take one of those spots. But yeah, Eklund's this really high upside guy that people were excited about. We didn't expect him to make the team this year. But obviously now with Evander Kane, not likely to start the season with the team. That just opens up another spot. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty exciting. By the way, for super, super, the deepest of deep deeps, uh, Jonah Gadjevich was waived by Vancouver. And then he was grabbed by the Sharks today. And a lot of people are saying that he's going to make the team. So if you're looking for like a banger fourth line, again, like your super deep dynasty type leagues. I was reading an article by Sheng Peng saying how he thinks Gadjevich fits in really well for the Sharks. He's a guy that wasn't going to make the team for Vancouver. And now he's looking to make the team for San Jose. But anyways that's a whole other thing there's also a guy weatherby on san jose who uh, mr weatherby brian loves uh, mentioning people with fun names and so he's looking like he's going to be the fourth line center so hey, we're gonna have some new exciting names on the san jose sharks this season i mean from the team that brought you barclay goodrow and etc they've always got some good names down in san jose you know what elon i've been really ruminating not ruminating but just i've been thinking about what you said about philip tomasino and i was thinking back to listening to uh victor's episode on your show and you're right he did basically like kind of convince me that i should be more excited about philip tomasino than i had been so i'm gonna go ahead and say that i'm feeling like Eklund and Tomasino are maybe just a step below Raymond for me at this moment. But overall, I kind of could see any one of them, if if things break right, popping uh, 50 to 60 points this year. And uh, that's exciting enough for me to roster Eklund in uh, two leagues, which I'm, I'm hoping to see what happens. I will warn that both Detroit and San Jose have brutal schedules to start the year. Um, if you're in a deep league, you are probably not going to get them in for more than one game this week. But uh, definitely some uh, some fantasy relevance to be found in the rookie, uh, the this class of rookies to start the year. 
Yeah, like I said at the start, like I just kind of feel like I think one of them will be great. I just don't know which. So yeah. if somehow you have space to grab all three and hold them for a couple of weeks and then just keep the one that's popping, then you're probably in the best case. But that's obviously hard to do because then you're going to have to drop some people. Ben, this has been so much fun. Uh, I love short shifts. I can't believe we're already done the show. If this was Keeping Carlson, we'd be throwing to our first ad break and then we'd still have another hour and a half to go. I would not be able to handle it. That's why you put me on the short shift. Elon, my good friend, thank you so much for joining me. And as my guest, I'm going to extend the olive branch to you to uh, to close us out of here. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Brian and I will be back at you with a full-length episode on Sunday where we're going to be going over more of these preseason news and notes that probably are going to lose relevance very quickly afterwards. It's still fun to think about. And then after that, we're already going to be into the season. I can't believe it, Ben. So until all of that, play smart and keep your shifts short. <laughs>